You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you all. Welcome to our home update. And um, annually, we like to take uh, a moment uh, to share a bit of uh, family business uh, with you all as the church, to communicate some things, to raise awareness and share information about really important matters in the life of the church, um, and to take a moment to place front and centre uh, finances, uh, safeguarding, and other news. And uh, this primarily is about stewardship. And uh, I know stewardship doesn't sound like an exciting word to get you to church on a morning. Um, and we've been going through a series looking at Jesus and mission. You might be thinking we're having a week off from that. And I, I don't think we are, actually, because if we're committed to Jesus and what he says and his mission and all that that brings in terms of gospel advancement and expansion and growth, then I think Jesus, uh, running parallel to all of that in the Gospels, talks a lot about this thing called stewardship. And and the idea is this, is is if you want to be trusted with more, then be faithful with what you have. And it's really, really, really important that we grasp that. Um, I think the parable of the talents would be a great example of this, and I encourage you to read that at home. And, um, you know, I was thinking about when you go see a, a, a kind of like maybe a football match, a rugby match at MKM Stadium, you know, you go there to watch the game, you have the players, you have the atmosphere that the fans bring, you have all that's going on on the sidelines with the coaches and the managers and the referee bringing controversy, if you watch match of the day, like I like to do. And no one seems to care about the hundreds of people wearing high-vis jackets who faithfully sit all around the ground. And they, of course, are stewards. But stewards serve an invaluable purpose. They keep people safe. They keep the fans and the players and the coaches safe. They serve as to keep the boundaries. And they often lie, if you've ever been, they often lie down and nobody even knows that they are there. But if something goes wrong, it's best that we have a steward. Because it allows for the game to run smoothly. It allows for us, the spectators and the fans, to enjoy. And I wonder what would happen if there weren't stewards at those games. So we take stewardship really seriously. That actually, it's all right having a fancy car and all that it looks on the outside, but actually it's what's underneath the bonnet that matters. And it's actually the things which are unseen to many of us. It's the invisible things, but actually these are some of the most important things which make a church run so well. And for me personally, I take stewardship really seriously, and I've always been um, struck by that verse in Luke 12, 48. It says this, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And so for us, transparency, trust, integrity, 
forming and creating healthy environments and cultures in the life of the church. Financial wisdom and prudence, safeguarding both children and adults. Honesty. These words, these themes, these values, and how we filter finances and safeguarding with this in mind is some of the most important things that we do. It's an absolute priority for us. And so if you're new here, normally I would say just kind of be excused from this service. It's not how we do Sunday normally. But actually, you couldn't have picked a better Sunday to come to. Because it's really important for every new person who comes here that they feel that how we're doing things is we're doing them with the utmost integrity. And that how we're looking after children and adults in our care is really important. We have this very simple kind of theology, if you like, is that we believe ultimately God is sovereign. It's the sovereign God who we worship so beautifully led by the band this morning. But under his sovereignty is we get to be stewards. And the Bible helps us and teaches us how to be good stewards. And how we steward well with the things in this life will have an effect on the life to come, which is why Jesus talked a lot about the future. And a lot of churches get it the wrong way around, don't they? Leaders and churches think that they're sovereign, that they're in control, and that's a really major error to fall into. This is God's house, God's people, God's family, God's church. He gets to do whatever he wants to do with it. And our accountability starts with Joni and I, our accountability before God that we one day give an account for is how well we stewarded what God gave us in our time, in our place. So with that in mind, and I'm going to come back and give you some juicy news <laughs> a bit later, um, I'd like us to welcome Chris Wylock as our chair of trustees to come up. Can we give him a warm welcome? Hello, good morning. So as John said, I'm uh, Chris Wylock, uh, Chair of Trustees, and as a uh, part of the um, privilege of being that, um, I am honoured to be introducing to you the rest of the trustees, if I can get my phone to work. Yeah, there we go. So, um, yeah, basically the, I'm here today to talk about the role and responsibilities of trustees, but before I do that, I'd like to introduce the following uh, people who... Uh, serve on the Board of Trustees. Um, it's a largely unseen uh, role that we um, carry out. And as John said, it's uh, kind of the engine under the bonnet and is very, very important and crucial to the life of the church and the healthy life of the church. So first of all, uh, Nilu, love, would you stand up, please? So Nilu is a qualified lawyer and... Um, uh, so that's extremely helpful in the whole legal uh, management of the business, of the, sorry, the trust. Um, secondly, can we have uh, Ruth Kennedy? Well, so Ruth is uh, into pharmaceutical research um, and is very, very brainy. I can't even profess to begin to understand what she does, but uh, Ruth is um, on our board as well. Uh, 30 Janice. So, 
Janice has worked for local authorities in the past and uh, currently runs her own business in the form of a very yummy cafe called uh, Home for Tea. So, uh, shameless plug there, so do go and visit that when you get a moment. Um, and then Mark Johansson. So, Mark was uh, very high up in the police force uh, before he retired and now runs our community money um, advice um, uh, ministry in the church and as such has got a good uh, finance head on his shoulders. Um, and Tom Bell. <laughs> For the back there. So Tom uh, has got uh, some um, legal experience and also works for uh, Vineyard Churches UK and as such has a good sort of overall um, uh, view of Vineyard Churches in the UK and what's going on with that. So um, that's um, very helpful to have him on there as well. And then we have John Clark, who I don't think needs any introduction, but he can stand, he can stand up anyway. And then, uh, and then there's myself and uh, I own and run a business um, uh, in, here in Hull. And I also want to introduce you um, to Irene Houghton, um, who is kind of uh, very much the... She's, she's com company secretary, finance manager, amongst other roles in the church, and uh, plays a very important part in keeping us trustees all on the same page. So roles and responsibility of trustees, basically it's been said there's two main roles that we have. The first one is to keep the church finances in the black, and the second one is to keep our senior pastor out of prison. <laughs> so how do we do that? Well, first of all, um, we give financial oversight and good governance um, to, to the trust. Uh, secondly, we're involved in uh, legal oversight as well, legislation, charity commission rules and regulations, company's house and all that uh, good stuff. Uh, thirdly, we um, look after the uh, human resources side of things, um, so staff well-being, recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we have to see the health and safety of the church, uh, safeguarding, and also from time to time dealing with the media. So the Board of Trustees is basically made up of people uh, who can fulfill different aspects of those uh, roles that we've got to, um, we've got to deliver. Um, what we don't do is provide pastoral oversight for John and Joni. Uh, this comes from overseers who themselves are church leaders. And uh, so this would include things, you know, more sort of personal matters like marriage, uh, parenting, all that sort of thing. Um, but the, what we do check in with is um, basically how they are doing in terms of, um, you know, their job, et cetera, et cetera. So finally, I want to introduce to you Fiona Watson. Fiona, would you come up? So Fee is our executive assistant pastor, and as a growing church, um, it, it's crucial that we have a good connection so, between the trustees and the staff, and um, Fee fulfills that role very well, um, so she's glue in the whole thing, and she's now going to give us an overview of the finance, for finances for the last financial year. So over to you, Fee. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all. So as Chris has just said, I'll be presenting the finances from our last year today. So um, a couple of pie charts will appear in the screen behind me for those that like pie charts. Um, so just to give you some facts about our finances initially, um, our financial year runs from the 1st of April to the 31st of March rather than the calendar year. And as Chris has said, then the trustees have the overall 
responsibility for the finances and we have many checks and balances in place and we have a finance manager Irene who deals with all the day-to-day -day things. If you want some more details about our finances then our accounts are um, fully available to the public you can find them on the charity commission and the company's house so you're more than welcome to look them up. If you've got any questions that come up from this morning, please do email hello at wholevineyard.co.uk and somebody will get back to you in the week. Um, <clears throat> we will also, this week, be emailing out a document which will have this information on as well. And um, We did that last year and it's our desire to carry on doing that. So that will have a little bit more information about what we've used the money for as well. So, as I'm sure all of you can tell, during this last year we have grown in number. There aren't many um, seats available this morning, are there? So that is wonderful. And as a result of that, then our income has also increased. And our expenses have increased, which is incredible considering the challenging economic climate that we're all facing. So, as you can see from the pie chart behind me, our income has been, over the last year, um, 452,000. And this is an increase of 20% from the last year. We've got this broken down into different categories. So we have gift aid income. So for those of you that pay income tax, we're able to claim that back. And for every pound that you give, we can claim 25p back. So it's a really valuable um, source of income for us. So if Irene gets in touch with you and asks you to fill in a gift aid form, and you can do, please do do that. Because last year we managed to get 60,000 pounds back from the tax man. Then we have non-gift aid income, so that is for those people that don't pay tax. Um, obviously, we cannot claim tax back that you don't pay. Then we have sundry income. Now, we used to have a building before this one that we recently sold, and some of the income is still coming in from that sale. So that's made up of that. And also, it's when we hold weddings and other events, the books that you buy, the, when you buy coffees in the coffee shop, then that all goes into that area. And lastly, this is a new area for us as a church and one that we're going to be developing as we develop the Hope Centre is grants. So this year we've been able to get a grant to run our warm spaces, which were hugely successful and hugely needed. So we ran them on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And we've also had additional money in for um, our food, which we give out with our food parcels, which, as you can imagine, has also been increasing this last year. And we received some money from Bundles of Joy, which is an organisation similar to Grey Baby, which sadly had to close. So, now, what have we spent our money on? We can have the next slide, please. So, our expenses. We've broken this down into seven categories to reflect the vision of the church. Um, if you're new and you want to find out some more information about the vision of the church, you can go back and look at the old talks that John and the other staff have done about um, vision. So, we break this down into different categories. We have compassion and mission. So, that's for our food parcels, our CMA, Grow Baby, the warm spaces I mentioned earlier. Then we have Sundays. So obviously they cost money and we're able to do wonderful things on a Sunday. We need to heat the building. We give tea and coffee. So all the different things we do on a Sunday. And then we have our building. So this is for the current building. We have a mortgage. So each year we're paying that down and for the maintenance and the facilities running of the building. Then we are passionate about leadership development, pastorally caring for our congregation and multiplying. So we, this is about developing our leaders. This is about the gatherings that we have as small home groups and about the new site, which is hugely exciting, called West Villages that we have launched this year. Now, governance, as Chris has already mentioned, is in a hugely important value that we hold to do this well. And so that costs money. We have fees to pay and all the associated costs of running a charity and a company. Now, giving. We give away at least 10% of our income each year from the congregation. 50% goes to vineyard churches so that we can call ourselves a vineyard church and for all of the resources we get back from them. 
and the rest is given as a need arises. Now, the staff, we have 10 staff, um, four of them are full-time, six of them are part-time, varying hours for those part-time staff, and we split those across each of the expenditure areas because they each spend time working in each of them. Anything we have left over from our income, as the beagle-eyed um, eyes of you have seen, that our income has been greater than our expenditure, which is a good place to be in, that we, have, we put that into our reserves. Our reserves policy means that we have at least three months of um, expenditure in our bank accounts. So if our giving suddenly disappeared, we could still pay for everything that we do. Anything over and above that we use for future projects, such as the Hope Centre. So the Hope Centre, we've kept that completely separate from this income because it's a separate standalone project at the moment. But to give you an update on that, as was announced on Easter Sunday, we have raised just over 463,000. And of that, we have already received 245,000. Now, many people have elected to give monthly, so each month that figure increases. So that is a brief overview of the finances. But if you have any questions, as I said at the beginning, please do email hello at Whole Vineyard and we'll be able to answer those for you. And as Josh said, if you're thinking giving is something you'd like to start doing, then um, there's very a number of different ways you can do that. And there's further details on our website. So I'd now like to welcome Sarah up, who's going to come and speak to us about safeguarding. Thanks very much. I don't have any slides or exciting pie charts, I'm afraid, so um, just have to bear with me on that. So I'm Sarah. I'm the interim safeguarding lead here for Hull Vineyard, having recently taken over from Janice, um, and I'm really grateful that she stayed on the team as deputy, and you'll meet her and James, who's also the deputy, shortly when I ask them to come up on stage so that you know who we all are. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes this morning covering three areas, thinking about what is safeguarding, why is it important, what are we doing here at Hull Vineyard to ensure that the church is a safe place? And then thirdly, what do you need to do and how do you reach the team if you need to? So as John said earlier, ultimately we answer to God, don't we? God is sovereign and um, we need to um, be accountable to him. But safeguarding essentially is a legal requirement, isn't it? It's based on both the Children's Act and also the Adult Care Acts. Um, both parliamentary acts and they're there in place to really protect those in the population who could be considered to be at risk. So that might be those who are children or that might be those who are adults potentially at risk of, um, <coughs> excuse me, at risk of harm, risk of harm. So what is the law really aiming to protect those people against? Well, really from different forms of abuse and I'm not going to go into each of those different types of abuse in any detail but Defining abuse, whether it is against a child or whether it's against a vulnerable adult, is really very complex and um, it can be difficult to, to do that. So that's why we need to be taking this seriously, as John said earlier. So abuse could be someone inflicting harm or it could be someone pre preventing, sort of failing to prevent harm. So it could be either inflicting or failing to prevent harm. And abuse can occur in all settings, so it can occur within a family, it can occur within an institution, and it can occur in a community setting. So we need to sort of be conscious of the different places that abuse can occur. And abuse against a child or an adult could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be sexual, it could be spiritual, or it could be neglect. And thankfully, it is relatively uncommon. 
But it's just to say, really, that it can be complicated. It's not always easy to spot. It's not always easy to know what to do when it is spotted. So that's why, again, we want to take it really seriously, because the consequences of abuse can be devastating and can be long-lasting. So within church here, we want to take it seriously so that we can really reassure you, as John said, that those of us who call this home, we know that home is a safe place to be. And we'll do this really both by looking out for each other and um, also taking action where needed if we think that a child or a vulnerable adult is at risk of harm. But also we want to ensure that we're protecting ourselves as a church. We're protecting ourselves as best we can from allegations of abuse by complying with the legal requirements. So that we're aiming to be above the law and above the law in all that we do so that Anything that we do that's within our control, we're following good practice. So that's the first bit. What is safeguarding? Why is it important? So what are we doing here at Hull Vineyard to really ensure that the church is a safe place? Well, for us as a church and as a safeguarding team, it's much more than just ticking boxes to um, show that we comply with the requirements. As I said, we really want to be living out Jesus' commandment to love one another as he's first loved us. So essentially, we really want you to understand that safeguarding for us means creating that safe church, that safe home that I've just mentioned. And I know that's something that John and Joni are working on at the moment and will be speaking on in the not-too-distant future is about what healthy church culture looks like and also what unhealthy church culture looks like. So they'll then be talking about spiritual abuse, coercive leadership, And they want to, through talking about those difficult topics, give you that reassurance that they and we as a church are continuing to build safety into this place and disseminating the clear pathways that need to be followed for raising concerns wherever needed. And in addition to provide real reassurance that people who need protection or who are unable to prevent um, harm from happening to themselves will be heard and the actions will be taken wherever indicated. So we're not social care services, but we do liaise with them where someone describes either something that's happened to them or if someone close to them needs protection. So one area that I'm focusing on right now as safeguarding lead with the support of the staff team is to coordinate updated training for everyone who needs to undertake this, whether that's for adults or children, to make sure that we're really up to date. So this training plan could involve some of you. So if you are asked to to attend some online training safeguarding sessions, we'd really love you to prioritise this and work with us so that we're ensuring that we um, all have the necessary knowledge and the necessary information. Some of you who are volunteers have gone through DBS checks, um, and we're really grateful for you having done that, and also for those who administer the DBS process. But not everyone who serves in church needs to go through a DBS check. It really depends on the role that you're doing and what that role involves. But many of you will be asked to do um, some safeguarding within church as well. So there's the online external training sessions, but I'll also be running some group sessions within church as well for some of us who volunteer in the different um, compassion ministries and serving aspects. And the reason for doing this training is really to fully equip us as the church with that up-to-date information and the up-to-date policies, up-to-date procedures, so that we are really working together. And that all of you, whether you're on staff, whether you're serving in a particular area or not yet, we all need to take responsibility for safeguarding as a way of loving each other really, really well. 
And that's especially as we continue to grow, and also especially as the Hope Centre project um, builds and comes to life. We're likely to be, and we hope to reach, um, many more people within the city of Hull. And many of those may be vulnerable adults who have particular um, care needs, but also may be at risk of harm. So what else do you need to know? Well, let me now introduce the team. So could I ask Janice and James to come up to the stage? So while they're just making their way here, they don't have to speak, but thank you very much. So James and Janice, I just also want to mention um, and thank the other people involved with the safeguarding aspects. Um, for example, with DBS checks, with safer recruitment, administration, organising the training that needs to be done. Your help is really, really appreciated. So the reason for Janice and James coming up is so that you know who they are, you recognise our faces, because the third and final bit is what do you need to do and how do you reach us as the team? So if you have a safeguarding concern about someone, for example, if in one of the ministry areas that you're serving in or if someone discloses possible abuse to you, we would want you to come and talk with one of us. So please don't promise that person or that child that you'd have to keep things to yourself. You do need to um, come and talk to another person. But of course, once you've done that, we will keep it in a strictly need-to-know basis. So files are kept securely, and it would usually only be one of the three of us who would then decide if the concerns need to be acted on or require further liaison with social care services. So I daily speak to myself, but if I'm not available, Janice or James, and if you're not able to speak to one of us in person, or if you have a concern or about a child um, and you're not able to do that face-to-face, -face, please email us on the confidential email address that's coming up on the screen behind me, so that's safeguarding it at hullvineyard.co.uk. So if you have any of our personal details, please don't text or email us on our personal um, email addresses or text. We don't want confidential information on those. Please do use that safeguarding inbox because it's only the three of us that look at that and we have really secure sort of ways of them managing the information that comes through. And if you do do that, we will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, if we don't, as quickly as we'd like to, because we all work, um, then please do contact the, whole, the um, church office, and they will then make contact with us as well. So thank you, Janice. Thank you, James. And thank you all very much for your attention. But do please pray for this area of safeguarding, for God's protection on us as a church, and for the ability and the wisdom to really carry out the requirements that we need to do in a loving way. Thank you. Okay, well, thanks everyone, that was fantastic. Um, so I said uh, during our vision series, looking at the Hope Centre, that every six to eight weeks I'll give you an update where we are uh, with the Hope Centre. This is what I want to do now. It's so amazing that the church raised nearly half a million and um, incredible generosity, um, particularly in this uh, cost of living crisis. That was just stunning. And um, now we've done that, I, I always thought it was important that we as a church kind of went first, that we uh, led in that. Um, and, and everything that we're doing now in terms of, of grants uh, kind of follows after that. But we are preparing planning. And as you can imagine, the planning stage is often the most difficult. And so this is what we are doing. And we're, we're not far off submitting our planning application. The slide delay is that we needed to do a professional 
flood risk assessment. I'm reading this out because it's complicated. And drainage impact assessment. <laughs> so again, all these details that many of us don't often think about is, um, is kind of what we have to do. And the reason for that is, is that, um, and, and I'll give this prophetic word because this um, has really carried through everything I'm going to say. Someone said to me that um, they saw me with a file of fax, you know, those old school file of faxes, kind of rummaging through there, kind of anxiously looking for someone's number and name. And um, the encouragement of God was to not do that, but actually to recognize all the appointments that God has for us uh, with this endeavor is that we're just going to be in the right room with the right people at the right time. And we wouldn't need to push on doors, but actually doors would open uh, for us. And uh, amazingly, we were uh, placed in a room uh, recently with the actual head of planning uh, for Hull City Council. I didn't expect to meet this person, uh, and, and yet I did. And um, we're able to have a great conversation. They, they basically said, look, most things go past their desk first. And so it's so good to kind of get this person to have a look at the project and see if there's any issues before we sent off the application. And um, he was so helpful and super positive uh, about what this project stands for, um, except for one thing, one concern, and it's my fault, and that is where the location of the building was going to be. So it turns out the one place I had chosen where the building should be was the one place in, on our two and a half acre grounds where it shouldn't really be. <laughs> and that's because there's a slight dip, I mean hardly anything in the ground, uh, and therefore it can become a flood risk. Okay, I mean, it's ridiculous. And they were like, why did you? And I'm like, I, it wasn't even I prayed about it. I just said, that's where we should put it because as you go down the road, I think it'd be cool that everybody sees it. And that was the best thinking I've got on it. So I wasn't too disheartened because they gave us four or five other potential locations on the ground uh, that would just help. And then with that, we were able to meet with the head of flood risk uh, as well. And they came down and saw our site, heard all that we we're doing. Again, really positive, really excited. And they with us, with some other people who are leaders in the construction industry in the city, uh, we all kind of agreed that actually that was probably the, never the best place for the Hope Center. And, and actually uh, the better place is to be actually closer to the building. And we're actually working with the architect right now to maybe do some kind of walkway that connects this building to that, which is super exciting. And as you come down here, and as you go right into the main doors, um, what we're thinking is the Hope Center will be right in front of you. Okay, so it's actually down there where you see the green porter cabin uh, facing the car park. Now, actually, when we've done the research on this, it's kind of thought, why didn't we choose that in the first place? Which is typical. And, uh, and so there's a slight shift in the location, but actually, as people approach the building to have some kind of connection with all the work that we're doing here, and also to have the two shops, like the supermarket and the Grow Baby Boutique, facing this, and then also to give scope to redevelop the car park and landscape the grounds, 
which is a really important thing to do, to have that there and so that we can look out at everything here and, 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 and re-landscape uh, is super important. And so um, that's where we're at. It's all exciting news and we, I say we're just waiting on uh, this flood risk assessment. Uh, so we do that professionally and properly, something we have to pay to, to do, and then that will be submitted. And then once we've submitted planning, then we can go on to the next stage. So in the meantime, also, we've employed a QS. We've formed a building subcommittee. And like I said with the whole Filofax word, is that we have some amazing doors opening um, in the city to share our story and why we're doing what we're doing. And so. Uh, I've been really privileged to uh, enter into uh, rooms and meetings where people are, are really excited about this project and are looking to partner uh, with us and we're to give more information on that as time uh, goes by. Um, really in that, it's about partnership now with the city. It's about connecting with stakeholders. It's about those and some of the, the biggest businesses in Hull and, and nationally have kind of reached out to us, excited about what we're doing for the sake of the city and wanting to um, offer help uh, at the absolute minimum, their advice and wisdom, which is, is amazing, and then hopefully financial uh, partnerships. So some really exciting doors are opening uh, for us. We had a, a, a great time. Uh, Chris Mitchell in the church hosted uh, a meeting, uh, a prayer meeting, and a vision evening with about 40 to 50 people in the church who are involved in compassion uh, ministries in the life of our community. And again, that was fantastic to hear people's ideas about what they would like to see and to see a lot of that kind of overlapping with some of our heart and our conversations. So that's kind of a, a, an update on the building where we're at. We're, we're going as fast as we can, but planning is the key. And then from that, we're able to then do, we've employed a bid writer who's then able to submit um, uh, our bids to, to the relevant people. Okay, now part of the, this project um, is we're thinking, as I say, about landscaping the grounds. And something has come to our attention, and I can honestly say that um, this is something which I've wrestled with, our trustees have wrestled with for a long time. Um, and that is, how do we deal with our trees in the car park? Our beautiful trees, okay? Because they are beautiful, particularly when it's spring uh, and summertime. But I don't know if you've noticed, but they are, how can I put this politely? They're a health and safety problem. So the roots of the trees, all the, the concrete is starting to move, and it's a trip hazard, and it is a real... Uh, problem and health and safety problem. So we are going to have to remove um, the trees that are currently in our car park, and that will be happening very soon. And we're going to keep the trees as you enter into the grounds on the grass, and we will look to planting new trees. But where on the car park uh, you see those trees is that they're going to be uh, removed, and um, mainly because we just have to because it's a, a, all that Chris said at the beginning, you know, we have uh, requirements, legal requirements, health and safety requirements, and so that is a risk to you and to people coming to the church and all the work that we do midweek. But also, um, that really would have to be done anyway as we think about landscaping 
the car park with the Hope Center. So that is kind of stage one of the uh, reimagining of the car park in terms of having uh, the Hope Center. And so um, you can send an email if you like, if you're upset about that, to Fee, and I'm sure she will. Or hello at Hull Vineyard, or any of those other email addresses. Um, we, we've wrestled with it, and we've really got, got no choice. Uh, the other thing that, um, and this is why it's good to employ like a QS, because you get advice like this, is that we are getting solar panels installed. And so we're committed to uh, you know, all, all, all kind of the biblical perspective on looking after our world and stewardship and climate change and renewable energy. And so uh, we're getting solar panels, but we are actually getting a size the next one up because uh, the next size capacity can actually serve the Hope Center as well. So that's really, um, uh, really exciting that we get to do that. So that's happening in June. So the trees this month, uh, June for the solar panels. And that's kind of my update when it comes to the, the Hope Center. Now, just on some other news, um, I mentioned at a vision series, I, th I think I may have mentioned even a couple of years ago, I definitely mentioned it in 2022, about our desire to have a church weekend away. And whenever I say something in a vision series, it's really important that I'm accountable for that. Uh, and the bad news is we're not having a weekend away uh, because when we came round to organizing it, we realized that we'd grown to s such an amount that we recognized that most of the church would actually miss out on the place that we had provisionally booked. And we just didn't think that that was fair in terms of where we were as a church. Um, the main idea of the weekend away was actually to facilitate community kind of post-COVID and uh, have that time of connection. Um, but we are looking at more ways and different ways to form community in life for the church. And we've got some exciting things coming up uh, in the summer. And then also after the summer, looking at um, weekends away, but for certain people groups in the life of the church, like men's weekends away and women's weekends away. So um, the other thing is, is that when we felt like permission to go for the Hope Center in terms of um, God and uh, the people that we spoke to, is that I also felt it was unfair to be coming to the church and asking you to invest in the Hope Center, but also to put money aside for the weekend away. Because actually, particularly if you're a family, to go for a weekend away as a family is, is a lot of money. And so um, we decided to press the pause button on that, not saying we'll never do a weekend away in the future, but it might be more in a field with tents, which would be very, very cheap. And um, I won't be going to it, because I hate camping, but you, uh, <laughs> you all can have an amazing time. Um, now, the other thing I want to talk about is, um, this is the final thing, is, and this, I'm doing this in a similar vein to when I first broached in the Nehemiah series about our, um, about our Hope Center, and I asked you as a church, I mentioned it, and I just said, will you pray uh, about it? And, and I'm sharing this early on for us as a church to think and to pray collectively about this before doing an actual uh, proper official announcement with all the details and kind of the vision and the whys. And so I'm not going to get into the, uh, the whys and the details of this. This is kind of 
how can I put it, an informal heads up. If I was passing you by in the cafe and said, oh, by the way, we're thinking of this. This is one of those uh, moments. But you may realize for some time now that we are at, at capacity. We're not just at capacity in terms of, um, like, visually. I mean, we, we could cram even more chairs in here. I've, I've looked at ripping the stage up, and we could probably get 50 more chairs in and do worship in the middle. I mean, looking at everything. I'm, I've, I'm looking at, do we extend out there? And I'm like, well, we're just doing the Hope Center. So lots of things that we're processing, and um, I'm sure that day will, will come. But for now, um, particularly when we think about the cafe space, particularly when we think about our kids' space, we never ever want to be in a place where we're saying no to people bringing their children to kids' church. Uh, just that, that kind of keeps me up at night. Um, but also just the... The, the amount of people that are coming, which is a wonderful growth headache, but it is a headache nonetheless, but it's exciting times. And so um, over the last few months, uh, I've been praying and really speaking to other church leaders who've come in here, and it's amazing, everybody who's come in here said, oh, so you are going to be, and what I'm going to share, you are, you are going to do this imminently. And they're kind of saying it to me like we should have done it last weekend. And I'm like, no. And, um, and yet the people who I speak to, they kind of all said the same thing. And we've done a lot of research. And um, we really do need to add another Sunday service here. Um, and what that would look like is, for those of you uh, maybe familiar with the jargon, it's called a double morning. Okay. A double morning, so that would be uh, two services on a Sunday morning. Um, not sure the times yet, but you know, for instance, it might be like nine thirteen, eleven fifteen, and um, and so that will give you a bit more space, uh, but also, um, most importantly, give space to, I say, our kids. But it's also communicating to our city that you're welcome here. There's space for you. Sometimes you come here and. It's, you know, from the car park to the balcony to, it's kind of like there's, there's not enough room. And we want people to come here and think we were catered for, that space is being created uh, for us. There's another, um, there's an extra chair at the table, if you like, at our home. And so um, this is something that we are now starting the journey of, of looking at because we want to do it from a place of being... Uh, resourced to do so and strength and so yeah this is a, a a step of faith this is let's try this and just even if we didn't feel like this God was speaking to us about that when the hope center is being built and the car park is what it will be is it will we'll probably pragmatically have no choice other than to do a double morning so it's kind of parallel uh, with that anyway um, but I'd, I'd love for us to do this from a place of strength and being well-resourced. And so now we'd like to gather uh, more team than we probably need now so that we're ready to go with this and then we have people in place. And of course, uh, we need team uh, right across the board, and we've been talking about this recently, but especially if we go double morning, double kids, we all need more a team in our kids' church. And so I think what I want to say to you is that this is a moment for us as a church, as we're welcoming people home, just to kind of muck in like you do, like a family does, 
Um, it, it may not be the job that you like, um, but it's for a season maybe, just something that we need to kind of come together and say, look, I'll do, I'll do that bit, and I'll serve uh, for a season in that area. And the kids' uh, ministry is a, is a significant area in the life of our church. We're seeing tremendous growth in that. And so what I'm asking of you today is that, is that if you uh, can... Um, let me encourage you to give uh, one slot a month. That's like two hours a month for a Sunday morning service. Um, and I'd love it if, say, th- even 30 this week, next week, could sign up, um, especially if you're new here. And yeah, we go through all the... There's a kind of more of an application process, of course, to kids' ministry because of the... Uh, implications and safeguarding, do DBS checks and all the stuff that you've heard. But um, if, even if you're new here, say if you've been here for, say, six months, um, it, it's probably time for you to kind of muck in. And so um, we, we'd love to be able to serve our kids, serve the church, and serve our city well by, um, by serving, going the extra mile. And so maybe you serve, I don't want to kind of discount yourself. Maybe you serve in another area of the life of the church and not saying that that's not important, but sometimes you kind of need to move things around, move to different rooms of the house, if you like. And some of those ministries, if you're just honest, it might be that, hey, that's fine because we can easily kind of replace um, people on that particular ministry. But in terms of kids, this needs to be a priority. And so um, I think parents should definitely have a season where we're chipping in and serving in in kids' ministry. Um, But I'm particularly looking for non-parents, non-parents to serve in in this area. So um, if that's you, and I I cannot remember what I said. Josh, what did I say in the week about... Oh, thank you. At the back there, uh, by the back doors, there are a couple of iPads... And um, if you could sign up there, if you're interested and would like to uh, give once a month to serving in our kids' church so that we can really go into um, this, this double morning with strength and being well-resourced so we're not being stretched. Because we think about the capacity of the church and all that that brings. Okay, so that's kind of uh, the big news and the updates from me, why don't you stand? And as we stand, can we just give a round of applause and thank all our team members in the life of the church who do an amazing job. And from, on behalf of Joni and I and the team, you know, we are we're so thankful to all of you who serve in the ways that you do to make church happen and to reach people. And um, kind of like what I was saying at the beginning about thinking about growth is about being faithful. And our commitment is we always want to be faithful with the one. That's our heart. You know, that Jesus would leave the 99 to go after the one. We want to be faithful with the one. One person matters to God and is of value to God. And so we want to care and look after and be responsible with the one. 
so they can find home here and ultimately they can find their purpose in life and the calling of God on their life. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.